0: I finished reading the book yesterday, I read it at my lunch break at work and I was like holding it trying to make it look like I wasn't reading a Star Trek novel, but I also couldn't put it down. <laughs> Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism subtext and subspace hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we finish our discussion of the Star Trek The Next Generation novel Q Squared by Peter David. I saw the other day something and I didn't follow the link but he is out of hospital and recovering. The fundraiser for expenses is still going on. They need to like renovate his house to accommodate a wheelchair and stuff. We'll throw a link to that in the show notes. I will send some money their way since I've had so much fun getting content out of his hard work. And, (laughs) yeah, let's talk about Q Squared. Let's wrap this up. Okay. The universes have collided. And exploded. But it starts off on a quiet note with track A, Beverly and Picard in bed. Aw, being cute. They're so cute. It's basically my favorite scene in the book, because we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like, why didn't he just leave Starfleet when Starfleet has treated him so badly? And they have this nice fantasy of quitting and going off on their own to become sketchy archaeological artifact traders, which I kind of (laughs) love because like, (laughs) because it's, it's so colonialist. Yes. But also, like, Picard in Lower Decks is funding a seemingly dodgy archaeologist who is retrieving and returning stolen artifacts. So it it fits so, so well. And we know that he secretly likes to cosplay as, you know, a shady character.
1: He could be happy in that life, Mm. but he has too much devotion to Starfleet.
0: He genuinely wants to be there and so does Beverly. It's another part of the tragedy of their characters that they genuinely cannot and do not want to do anything else. This is the life that they want. And had toxic masculinity not spoiled the party, they could have kept on doing it.
1: Yeah. Mm. If if only. (laughs) I mean, this is the most tragic timeline. Mm. It's just... (laughs) As I like to say, trauma all the way down. It's devastating. So they have this nice quiet moment and it's the last happy thing that ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Because Trelane, the evil Trelane, Trelane who has seen into the madness and became the abyss or whatever, Mm -hmm. drags him into the drama and explains why... Poor, lonely, lone, only, living Jack Crusher is so sad and wretched. Mm. Because he can't just be sad. He has to be sad and wretched. And it's because Beverly and Picard are together. In every universe, it's a requirement. It's a requirement of the universe to keep going. They have to be together. And that means the Jack has to get the hell out. (laughs)
0: Jack dies in every single other iteration of the multiverse.
1: In order to facilitate the coupling of Beverly and Jean-Luc.
0: You know what? Fair. The universe ships it, it, so do I. I have no problem with this.
1: I have no problem with it either. It's my favorite thing in a Star Trek (laughs) tie-in novel ever. It is... The best thing to ever happen to that OTP of mine. (laughs) It is so ridiculous. Mm. And yet I'm fully on board. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Correct.
0: This seems completely reasonable to me. If a tired novel tried to tell me that the universe demanded that Lorca and Cornwell had to be together in every timeline, I'd go, "Mm, nah, nah, I'm not (laughs) feeling it. I mean,
1: I'm going to go all the way and say Will and Deanna don't have this (laughs) relationship. Will and Deanna have like a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. that the universe can allow to blossom or not. But (laughs) Picard and Beverly have the kind of relationship that destroys galaxies. (laughs) And that is Perfect!
0: And I think part of what makes this work for me is that they are completely unaware. And if you told them, they would think that was the most ridiculous nonsense they had ever heard. <laughs> because they are not those people. They are no. sensible adults.
1: The key to their romance mm. is that they shy away from anything romantic. Yes! Like they're like, no, no, no. Like maybe we can have a relationship, but it's not like that.
0: No, no, no. It's not a love story. <laughs> they are reasonable, sensible adults doing their best, and the universe is 13-year-old me as a shipper going, Yes, but you have to yes. be together. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Smash your dolls together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Jack Crusher is dragged into Picard's bedroom. <laughs> to watch them which is very wrong on mm. many mm. levels <laughs> everything about this is bad and the the one nice thing that i can say about the worst jack crusher is that when Trelane brings him and he says i don't want to invade yeah. john luke's privacy yeah. and trillane says oh he won't even know and jack says that doesn't make it okay yeah <laughs> and i was like oh good job and that was the last time he was good. <laughs> because watching Beverly and John Luke have sex breaks his brain and he goes complete sociopath immediately.
0: I will say the narrative does tell us that Trelane is also manipulating him on a very subtle level and Jack is trying to fight it when he says he doesn't want to invade Picard's privacy but it's simply a battle that he can't win. I just want to flag that because otherwise it seems like Jack is, and always has been, a terrible human, when it's merely the case that prior to this moment of shattering for him, he is just an asshole, a really unpleasant guy,
1: but not a murderer,
0: (laughs) yeah, because it's (laughs) downhill from here. Jack starts to confront Picard the next morning, and then he goes down to confront Beverly and- No, 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 no
1: okay. You can't just say, starts to confront Picard the next morning.
0: No, They no, end up I... on
1: the turbolift <laughs> together. Yeah. Jack is just berating Picard, you know, mm. don't talk to me. He threatens to court-martial him. <laughs> John Luke is like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Something is very mm-hmm. wrong here. Lots of red flags. And Jack punches the turbo lift, yes. and you know, breaks his fist and creates a bloody mess. Mm. Again, Picard mm. is in shock and sort of has the inkling that oh, <laughs> I think he, maybe he found out about <laughs> the affair I'm <laughs> having with his ex-wife.
0: Oops. What else could possibly have provoked <laughs> that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trelane at one point has this like you know. He's the bad guy in all of this, mm. you know, because he, he, as you say, he's manipulating Jack. And in this turbulent scene, Jack is sort of, you know, feeling like I've been betrayed. You can't even begin to imagine how much I've been betrayed. And this is where I start my PSA. <laughs> I don't care mm. if, you're, if your wife cheats on you. Like, I'm that's sad. That's bad for you. I understand you're allowed to be angry and disappointed and have a lot of feelings about that but that's not a betrayal worth harm. No, <laughs> no. You, you don't get to, you, you can like yell about mm-hmm. it, but even that is like, it's, it's not something that, this is an escalation that is unacceptable on every level. And mm-hmm. I, I just need to say that from the beginning. And in this particular case, they haven't been married for, for like 10 years. years. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a decade, he's had MANY other relationships, and I'm sorry, there's no waving this away.
0: No, no, and this whole thing is where the book sort of falls apart for me because I read it as a 13 year old and I loved it but then a few months later my parents split up and for various reasons I spent the next couple of years really heavily exposed to the sort of leaflets that domestic violence shelters give out about the cycle of family violence and then I went back to reread my favorite Star Trek novel and I was like oh oh oh, no no." yeah
1: Yeah. I like no shades to Peter David no no But (laughs) it is not presented in a way that damns Jack Crusher enough for me.
0: (laughs) No, and I think part of the problem is that it is such a realistic depiction of family violence, the wall punching and the sudden outburst and the conversation where she's trying to placate him and he won't be placated that ends Mm -hmm. in her death, that... Happens, it's, yeah, in real life. It's like something
1: out of one of those pamphlets.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just watched a very serious business Australian drama about family violence, and it was interesting to watch that, which was quite didactic in some places. And then reread these chapters and go, hmm, yeah. And again, it's not Peter David's fault. I think this is just how society expected men to react in such a situation and it's an extreme reaction but there's a sense of well what else could he have done many many things (laughs) this is a great tragedy for Jack Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard we're just jumping ahead Mm. sorry
1: but because I'm on my little soapbox here no no Um, but at the very end so what happens is we'll talk about like Wesley and the different Beverlies and the different Jean Lucs mm. and how that all happens in a minute. But let's just go to the murder suicide because <laughs> we've started discussing it and m- maybe now you can do like a content warning from here to there.
0: Yeah, good idea. So
1: he confronts Beverly and she tries to placate him and she tries to, you know, get him with a hypnosis. You know, she can tell that he is way over like this is mm, again mm. it's this is not the jack crusher that they know no something is very wrong with him jack crusher and yeah. picard is there and also you know they are they're trying to de-escalate mm. the situation they're trying to contain it and they're trying to knock him out
0: yes and importantly the picard there is canon picard track b right. picard and he doesn't know which universe is beverly this is right and he you know has only
1: caught up <laughs> like, he doesn't know the whole story at all. He, again, we're going to talk about his trauma in a minute, but let's, <laughs> let's stick with my poor Beverly. So she has her hypo spray and she's coming around, and she's going to get Jack, and he notices, and he grabs her arm and flings her away and mm-hmm. says that she chose the wrong man. And he flings her away so violently that she hits her head against the bio bed and dies. Yeah. And... Her last words are, I never stopped loving you. And both John Luke and Jack have this really, like, oh, is she talking about me? Or is she talking about him? Like cute little, oh, you know, this very romantic thing. And I just need to put it out into into the universe (laughs) that there is nothing romantic about that. I mean, first of all, if you're talking about Jack, Gross, mm-hmm. because he just killed her and has made her life kind of like horrible for a while. Yeah, he has not been good to her the entire time we've been in this story, and so we can only imagine what it was like in those ten years. Yeah. So, boo to any of that. <laughs> but also, it's kind of implied that it is Jack. Like Jack certainly thinks it is Jack. And Picard is like, I don't know. How will I ever be able to tell? Because he doesn't know that the universe <laughs> mm. spins on the idea of them together. So that part, the the ambiguity of who she's talking about, I don't want to believe that Beverly Crusher is, you know, suffering from the trauma of domestic violence and in love with her abuser. That's I just I don't want to believe that. But it's weird for her to mm. say never stop loving you about Picard because they, yeah. like, they were apart for those years too, but they also weren't like, they had a few days or weeks, I don't know how long it's been. So I don't like the ambiguity of that because this is very similar to my Yvette Picard feelings, <laughs> because it is such a real thing that affects real people in real ways, I don't like the prettyfication of it yeah. in fiction.
0: No, I agree. And there are a few points in this last section with Beverly, with all the Beverlys, where I kind of just don't believe that she would act that way. The other one is where track A Jack comes in to confront his cheating ex wife, and it's actually Canon Sickbay and Canon Beverly that he walks in on. And she loses her mind. Her reaction is to scream and then faint. Which, with respect to Peter David, is not Beverly Crusher.
1: Is not Beverly Crusher. So, I was just watching All Good Things for vitting reasons. Yes. And it was the scene between Beverly and Jean-Luc in the ready room, which is, like, gold. <laughs> and she... Has this this line where she says but you've been to the future so you know that it's true you know it's going to happen she is 100 like he's telling the truth he has been to the future this is happening everything that he has said is true you know similar to how everyone believes her in remember me and so it's like the relationship that they have and the personalities that these people everyone on the enterprise deals with so much insanity all the time like that's that's what it's about they're (laughs) seeking out new things constantly and so I don't believe that seeing it's it it goes back to that hey you know what she's gotten over this like maybe if her dead husband appeared to her like a year after he died Mm. but she's had enough time to put it into a box and and deal with it she would be okay like yeah she would want to know what was going on
0: and just the screaming and fainting feels extremely stereotypical i just watched right. the tos episode what a little girl's made of about christine chapel and her fiance and even in 1966 when Christine finds out that her fiance is an android, she does not scream and faint. And
1: that's Christine Chapel. I yeah. love Christine Chapel, but she's way more <laughs> of a damsel in distress than Beverly Crusher.
0: Absolutely. And so if that behavior wouldn't fly in 1966, why is it in this novel from 1994? That and I never stop loving you both feel like points where there is a writer driving the character rather than mm. the character driving the story which i realize yes. i realize either way the writer is doing the work but you know what i mean it's it's falling into tropes rather than honest characterization right yes hmm. right it's okay it
1: doesn't have to be my beverly all the time you know i've said this many times before i don't really care about continuity mm. <laughs> accepting character And so that's when it makes me feel and weird. But I also have this like philosophy, particularly in this book, even though they're telling me that it's the canon timeline, I'm like, it's not, you know, it's it's another timeline. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just a slightly different one. And that's, and that's fine. So like, okay, that Beverly is, is a little bit more, I don't know (laughs) about that. Again, I'm not faulting the author for having his opinions on what these characters are doing, but I do fault the author for romanticizing domestic abuse.
0: Yeah. Sorry. No, no. And the thing is, he certainly wasn't alone in that. I spend way too much time on, like, best of Reddit updates and sites like that where I get sticky beak on people's lives. And reading the comments, which I always do because they're terrible, there are a lot of people who think that a wife cheating on a husband is worse than anything, yeah. anything.
1: Right. Which is why I had to give my PSA earlier because yeah. I just, yeah. it's not true. I know that we live in this puritanical, heteronormative, evangelical Christian society, but it's not true.
0: Right. Right. Infidelity is not worth murder. <laughs> Infidelity is not worth murder. I don't think I should have to explain that. <laughs> like, I know. Like, I do. Murder is
1: not worth murder.
0: Mm, right, like, right. You're be a better person. <laughs> and the thing is, the narrative knows that what Jack did is wrong, but on some level, yes. the tragedy is his. Right. It's his tragedy. It's his tragedy.
1: That's laid out with yeah. all of Trillane's nonsense it's good storytelling but i have problems with
0: some of the
1: choices that were made
0: yeah and then at the end it seems like geordie is the only one who misses beverly for herself as opposed to picard's romantic angst i'm so sad (laughs) I mean, okay. So track A is again trauma all the way down. The
1: Rikers get some closure, good for them. Mm-hmm. They have the happy ending in track A. But Jordy, Nurse Jordy, whom we love, is it's... yes the only one who's mourning Beverly, mm-hmm. and and Picard is he has this whole "If only I was there, I, I could have stopped it from happening." And we know that he mm. was there and didn't stop it from happening. And so I, again, I feel like that's like a piss, oh, the tragedy. And I'm like, okay, but, you know. Mourn Beverly, don't think about you.
0: Yeah, it's a completely reasonable huh. way to feel, and it's part of the sadness that we know that he couldn't have done anything. But, yeah, way to make it all about you, Jean-Luc. <laughs> I
1: mean, like, that's canon, though. That's, I, I, that's I was going continuity to say, of character.
0: If you could do a photo cap for this book, this is where you would add the Star Trek Picard title <laughs> card. Yes. The other thing worth yeah. mentioning is that Track C, yesterday's Enterprise track, Wesley is also kicking around, and various people have encounters with him, including Jack and Beverly Howard, who think their son is dead. And so that adds to their their fear. Weirdly, Hmm. do not scream and faint. No, no, it's weird how Wesley doesn't scream and faint when he sees his dead father. Yeah. anyway yeah.
1: yes that's the thing is that Jack Jack is already over the edge like mm. way far over the edge when he sees Wesley but seeing Wesley and realizing everything that has been taken from him that is the moment when he like completely Mm-mm. loses control of who he even is anymore and he only he only wants to get back get revenge mm. on Beverly Jean Luc for taking it
0: that's another thing that Trelane has told him that for him to live in this timeline, Wesley had Wesley. to die, and in every other timeline, there's a Wesley Crusher, which a seems unlikely, but makes me think of how Wesley is a traveler and a watcher in the future, and maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not saying that Wesley has gone back in time and killed his father over and over again. <laughs> But I am saying, what if Wesley has gone back in time and killed his father over and over again? Amazing.
1: Okay. I mean, that's like more on the Loki version of multiverse mm-hmm. shenanigans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I am here for it for Wesley, and that's why he can't go talk to his mom. Yes. That's because why. He, can't, he can't live with himself for all
0: that what what he's done wow mm. despite you know some canonical quirks like star trek voyager completely changes the reproductive history of the q continuum this book reading this book alongside watching star trek picard season 3 was oddly they fit really well
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: which i think is fair because season 3 of picard is also basically fan fiction
1: well, you know, since I'm just like, throwing out all sorts of crazy things like infidelity doesn't deserve murder and also murder doesn't deserve murder, I might as well also say that most of fiction is fan fiction. <laughs> Certainly all of Star Trek since 1967.
0: Look, I think the day Theodore Sturgeon sat down and wrote A Mock Time, that was when Star right? Trek became fan fiction. That was when Star Trek became fan yeah. fiction. Yeah. And we will talk more about Star Trek Picard in our next episode. But, yeah, I I just have this block where I cannot get over Jack's actions in the final act.
1: Yeah, and, it is
0: horrific. Yeah. And yet, I love this book. I think this book is an amazing achievement. I have loved revisiting it as an adult, and it really holds up. This is the book that I loved as a 13 year old and went yikes at as a 15 year old. (laughs) And both of those things are valid. Yeah, I can have two thoughts at the same time. Like, you know, people are complicated, so are books, so is society. Speaking of complicated people, let's talk about the Rikers.
1: I maintain that Peter David loves the Rikers most of all. Oh yeah. So they get a happy ending where, so as as you may recall from last episode, track A, Will Riker, who had been held by the Romulans for 10 years, has been rescued, but does not remember Deanna. Mm. And of course, never met his son to begin with. So the family are having difficulty. Deanna, even though she is trained for things like this it's very very hard for her to deal with like she's put in a terrible position where she's got her husband who has been traumatized to the point where he doesn't remember who she is Mm -hmm. and her son who is having all of these daddy issues has been being bullied in school and is having visions (laughs) of terrible things that he can't explain. Tommy Riker is Jack Crusher. (laughs) Yes. And she's caught in the middle and can't even deal with all of the stuff that's going on with her Mm. because she got everything that she wanted. She got her husband back, but he's a shell of a man. So it's ripe for drama.
0: Mm. It's
1: a soap opera. Like, the whole (laughs) book is such a soap opera. Oh, geez. I love it. Such a soap opera. So good. But they... What, you know, as all of the tracks collide Mm. and there are multiple Rikers, multiple wharfs, multiple Picards, only one Jack Crusher. And only only one one... Tommy Riker. Yeah, yeah. I was going to (laughs) say. They're the special ones. (laughs) So they're all running around the Enterprise and Tommy's terrible visions of his evil dad going after them come true, but his real dad saves him and remembers his family after that and becomes a you know a fully cognizant person
0: yeah turns out all you need to recover from a decade of torture is to shoot (laughs) your hyper militaristic alternate universe self in front of your family (laughs) Yep, that's it (laughs) prescription what I love is that there is one Tommy Riker, but he encounters Canon Riker and Canon Diana, and they. First like of all, slide. I think the Diana <laughs> kind of gets short thrift in this act. Both Dianas, they're very reactive and. When Canon Will brings Tommy to Canon Deanna and is like, look after him, keep him safe, it takes about 30 seconds for Tommy to physically overcome this trained Starfleet officer <laughs> in hand to hand combat. And I'm sorry, I know that he is an unusually muscular 10 year old boy, but I'm like, Deanna deserves better.
1: Deanna deserves better. This
0: whole book owes Deanna Troy an apology.
1: Yes. So, you know, because they're over on track A where the captain just killed his ex wife and then himself. Yep. And so sorry, it's like, well, I guess we're going to give the Enterprise to Picard now. And, because- <laughs> and Picard's like, oh, well, I need a first officer. I guess I'll take this traumatized <laughs> lieutenant. <laughs>
0: at one point we see both Deanna's and the damaged Will running away together and I just think that Deanna took advantage of their cross-universe Imzadi link and really helped him out with a, a therapy speed run, which therapy speed run. obviously he has issues with in Picard and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks because I too have issues but here it seems to have been really good for him so well done Deanna
1: yeah it's One of those things where the end is the status quo Mm. that Commander Picard is elevated to Captain Picard and that Riker, who I'm I'm pretty sure just a (laughs) lieutenant is elevated all the way up to Commander and First Officer, even though he he was been a Romulan prisoner of war I know a decade, but they, you know, Starfleet's like, oh, everybody's sad, so you know, we'll just, yeah, yeah. they can be sad together, they'll fix each other. The important
0: mine. thing is that Deanna Riker can be the the counselor this ship so badly and needs. Presumably, Pulaski is yeah, going to be the CMO. My favorite, my favorite part of this ending is where Riker goes. I understand you had some problems with your career, and having been a prisoner of war for ten years, I can relate. Like, yes, Will, these are very much the same thing. You are clearly the same. You are clearly coping in some sort of way. Well, badly? <laughs> can't say.
1: <laughs> you get to, you know, be a happy little family on
0: the Enterprise, so it all works out. And then Tommy is the Wesley. And... Yes. I enjoy how genre-savvy Tommy is. That he is shocked but very quickly gets over it when he's realizing that universes are melding and so when he gets some time alone with canon riker who is sort of the dad he always thought he would have he's like can you tell me about girls which i think is great like riker is going to teach him so much about consent
1: it's cute that riker at the end is sort of like so you know (laughs) There was this universe where we totally had a 10 year old kid. Yeah. That yeah. was fun. It's cute. They get the cute romance and the happy ending.
0: With so, the trauma. It, like, I really it, cannot emphasize yeah, how Yeah, with, much...
1: with the trauma. <laughs> and, and they do, like, we're being a little flippant about it, but they definitely hand wave the trauma a lot. And oh,
0: that's, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. I definitely um, think that a modern story would maybe maybe offer a time jump of six months to a year for Riker to, you know, get some recovery time off screen without implying that all his problems have been solved. By, you know, yeah. murdering himself. <laughs> cool. It's, it's very therapeutic. That, that's great. Yeah. Okay, okay. One thing I do enjoy about this act is how the Track C Enterprise crew are the antagonists. Yes. They do not listen to reason. They don't believe it any of it they're very paranoid no no. and and there's a point where we get to hang out in that picard's internal monologue and he's like imagine if we could be explorers imagine if we could be scientists and i think you really need that because after that point he becomes a cartoon villain
1: (laughs) they're like literally goose stepping around the enterprise together
0: Mm. it is it Mm. is a little
1: disturbing and you know, okay, so can we talk about Tasha and the
0: hair? So all through this book, David has been signaling universe changes with women's haircuts. Women's yeah. haircuts. Not men's hair! Well, but every every woman has different hair. With the men, he talks about subtle differences in uniform, but you know this was not an era where men had exciting hair. But with women, you can play more with that. So track A, Deanna has short, graying hair, and at one point, track A, Beverly had like orange curls, orange
1: curls, I, I, corkscrew curls. Yeah,
0: no. But Q makes her identical to Cabin Beverly. Thank God. But that's why he can't. Picard doesn't know
1: which Beverly. Yeah.
0: Is. So it is important that you, does that. At least she died with good hair. <laughs> and then we have two Tashas. We have Track A Tasha and we have Track C Tasha, who was I suppose yesterday's Enterprise Tasha with the slick back. Yeah. And when we finally get to hang out with Track A Tasha, she is horrified by her alternate universe haircut. Like, she's like, oh, my God, I look like a boy. Oh, my God, that is such a bad haircut. And this it's is very funny. That's the book. Yeah, yeah. That is that she, is her she's personality. She's coming
1: up. She's, that's her entire personality, yes, is I hate mm. my hair.
0: And, and I've had some pretty bad haircuts, so I totally get that. But the thing is, the problem here is that we're never told what track Ta- A Tasha's hair looks like. Is it the cute little 80s crop that she did have in Encounter at Farpoint or is it something else? Like the repetition of oh my god I look like a boy makes me think that it's a more feminine
1: look for her. Which I kind of want to
0: see. Yeah never seen denise crosby with other hair no no <laughs> she's never
1: had other hair
0: i see people on tumblr saying that tasha must have been intended to be a lesbian because she had such short hair and i don't know how to explain that until very recently short hair was not necessarily a signifier of queerness like, I, I read a lot of 80s fashion magazines when I was researching my novel, which is set in 86, and that was sort of the fun tomboy who has a lot of boyfriends because she's one of the boys' haircuts, which I like, think is and, and that's that's what Denise Crosby's, like, I think even when she was right. a playboy, that was how she looked. Like, Obviously this is maybe a pet peeve of mine, but
1: I mean, I know too much about historic hair yes for women no i'm just saying like that the mod era and like the pixie cut like audrey hepburn yeah short hair and if there is anyone in the world who is more feminine than audrey hepburn i don't know who it is like it was not a signifier it was a signifier of yes one of the boys
0: yeah you're right yeah and that there were you know hairstyles that were very queer for women, but they were literally a men's, that was literally when you got a men's haircut. Anyway.
1: wore men's clothes. And...
0: Yeah. It's
1: so funny to me too, because I always point to Tasha and Esri who are only like, you know, five years, I guess seven, mm. whatever. Anyway, so there's Tasha and Esri, let's say 10 years apart. Yeah. And they're definitely signifying, to me, they're both one of the boys. They're both mm. like this. But Tasha's hair was meant to say, I'm rough and tumble. I'm a security officer. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I have masculine traits despite being a, a girl.
0: Mm.
1: Whereas Ezri's hair was very like,
0: I'm cute. Yes. <laughs> I'm young. I'm yes. sweet. I think Ezri's hair is meant to evoke Audrey Hepburn.
1: Yes. It's interesting to me that there is all this discourse on Tumblr. Tumblr discourse is a a thing of a... It's (laughs) it's art, really. And much more art than fact. Mm. And so it's fascinating to read. And I, I, you know, I do those too. I do my little fashion projects and I talk Mm. about, like, what is this costume? What is this hairstyle? What is it telling us about these characters? and you know like i ta- I did a whole thing about kess's hair who all she also has cute little like literally a pixie cut yeah. she is looks like tinkerbell so i i get the the appeal of putting your knowledge of what these things are signifying into what it is being told but you also have to take the time period into Like, you can't just be looking at it from a modern lens. Yeah, yeah. You have to be looking at it from what did this mean in
0: 1989. Mm, mm. And and even historically, meanings would change. Like, in the 1920s, Parisian lesbians would get ultra-short men's haircuts, but then they spread out into the wider fashion, and, you know, heterosexual flappers would get the same haircut, not knowing its origins. And society, like pulls culture from queer culture, queer culture goes mainstream all the time time. and and the meaning of it can be watered down. I will not rant about the Tumblr post about Janeway's white suit because I've already had that conversation with you and you don't need to hear it again. For the record, I just looked up Denise Crosby's Playboy photo shoot and she basically has a buzz cut. And I don't think anyone is going to argue that Playboy is a queer or queer friendly. <laughs> <Yeah, no. laughs> that's a no. Mm. I mean, the other thing is people are like, oh, Tasha's so butch. And like, she has a full set of French tip nails. Like, have you ever met a butch woman?
1: She has that scene where she's like obsessed with Deanna's wardrobe. Yeah. And that's in the second episode. Mm. It's like... They're putting it right out there. Mm. This is who Tasha is and it's not butch.
0: Yeah, it's incredibly flirtatious and queer, but not in the sense that Tasha is butch or wants to be in any way perceived as. Like Tasha to me feels like someone who wears her masculine traits as armor to protect herself because of how she was raised.
1: But in that scene, mm-hmm. and then later, in, when when Deanna's engagement dinner, she has amazing '80s hair. Yes, where yes! it's like teased up in this in this incredible, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. very like I am not on duty. I am at mm-hmm. this like party, and so I'm going to dress up like a, a yeah. pretty girly yeah.
0: fashion girl. Yeah.
1: It's interesting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is again Tasha engaging in 1980s femininity. I think Tasha can absolutely be read as a queer character, but I don't think she can be read as Butch. And mm. all of this is a really long way to say that I wish we knew how track a Tasha wore her hair, <laughs> and I think it's an oversight that we're never told. We're never
1: told. It's it's just amazing that, mm. that you know, she just that's all she talks about. It's so so funny
0: to me, <laughs> especially and... because it is Tasha, and she's all business <laughs> and. Like, she is very competently running the defense of this ship. Like, she is doing a good job. Right! But... And
1: I I also love that Tasha, like, there's these things where there's multiple Tashas and multiple Rikers and multiple mm. Warps, and, like, they're the ones who are working together. Yes. <laughs> and I love those scenes where they're like, well, I guess I can trust you because you're me, <laughs> so let's go. That's very...
0: Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like yeah. that although we see very little of any Tasha in any universe, the track A Tasha does seem more chill than canon Yeah, Like mm-hmm. she has some sort of casual fling with Data in his human body, you know, repeated encounters, Data claims, and the haircut thing, she's good at her job but she seems much more lighthearted than mm-hmm. canon Tasha. Which sort of implies maybe she's the one person in this universe whose background is less traumatic than the canon one.
1: I would love to have like Tasha and Jack Rose kind of thing mm, happening. Like, yeah. There's potential for that universe to like have a better version mm. of that universe if it
0: was a little bit less terrible. Sadly, Trelane and Jack Crusher ruin everything. And then the final thing I have to say is that I find it intensely funny that the humanoid data ends up in the wrong universe and winds up on the militaristic ship. And they're like, oh, well. Okay. well Q is Q like, oh, well. Everyone else is like, drug. this is troubling. But I just I, I just feel like for Tasha specifically, two datas can yes. only be a good thing. Also, exactly. An episode or so ago, I was saying that the track A Universe is definitely the darkest timeline because they allowed this humanoid experiment to happen. And where did they get the body to put the positronic brain into? And then I realized this is Sung Sun AI Sung. This is yeah. where they got the body for data. <laughs> this
1: is where they got the body.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Alarming. Do we want to
1: talk about the cues? I feel like we should wrap up the Q storyline, which is that Q kills Trelaine or Mm. ends. Q ends Trelaine because, you know, he's the only one who can, and it's very sad because Trelaine is the only being other than Picard that he ever seems to have any like real emotion for. Mm. And he and Picard have this like he and our Picard have this little like wrap up conversation at the end and he tells him that it wasn't his Beverly and it'll you know it'll be okay and Picard asks or suggests that Trelane was actually secretly Q's son (laughs) because he like I guess reminds him of Q so much or something Mm -hmm. or like Q is so sad about him being gone so there must be something there and we briefly touched on this last time so I don't, I don't need to like go into it but i don't like that <laughs> I, I don't like the, the suggestion that we are meant to see parallels between Q and Picard and Trelane and i guess Wesley yeah and like i don't want any of that
0: <laughs> so and it's sort of this idea that Q can only care about someone who is biologically related, related to him, men, right? Which, and it's like that's I mean Q is very narcissistic, but I think that makes him smaller as a character. Having said that, I would very much like Q and Trelane from this book to meet Jack Crusher from Star Trek Picard because I think that would be amusing. For me, not necessarily for anyone else, for least, of all, <laughs> least of all Seven of Nine, who has endured her own sexual <laughs> harassment at the hands of the Q continuum. Yeah, the Q. Yeah. The Qs. Yeah.
1: Multiple Qs. <laughs> so it is suggested that a spark of Trelane survives and that, you know, given Millennium, he mm. will grow back into the good version of Trelane, yeah that he used to be
0: and i like that i That's like good. that i think killing a child character off permanently is very dark even for yes. a book where wesley dies and jack murders beverly we need to let it's someone really tar- be
1: okay it turns out okay <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> many bad things happen and for me, the worst of it all is the very final page where everything's wrapping up and Beverly says, Jean-Luc, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. And then a whole bunch of universes sort of intercut with what she's about to say next. And she forgets what she was going to say. Like, it, it, it wasn't important. It, it, it's, it wasn't important. It's a delightful way to wrap up the story. I think it's really clever. I'm just like, I've spent so much time with these characters and I don't want to let them go. <laughs>
1: Ah. I mean I that the it's very entertaining to me the way this book ends mm. uh, because it's giving you all of the options. Every option and the idea is that these like eight lines that are written here mm. are eight of infinite possibilities. Yes. yes. And the reality is that no matter what she says, <laughs> it's still true that yeah. they have to be together. It doesn't matter what the actual words are. What matters is that they're together. And... The
0: the universe ships it. The multiverse ships ships it.
1: it. It's just
0: amazing.
1: (laughs) It's so amazing. The last page of this book makes every fanfiction ever written about Jean-Luc and Beverly canon. So, congratulations.
0: The coda to Star Trek Picard, where Q turns up in Jack's quarters, Obviously mm-hmm. I hated it. Like, you killed off a character, you did a really good job, you don't need to bring him back. But if the universe ships it. it that much, I know you didn't hate it.
1: <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't hate it.
0: We will talk about this in a couple of weeks, but my number one source of pleasure watching the third season of Picard was knowing how much joy it brought you. And that made me enjoy it more. Oh okay. That's
1: my goal in life. For my enthusiasm (laughs) to make something better for other people.
0: Well, it really, really worked. And I can't wait to talk about it with you in two weeks. But I've also really loved revisiting this book. We endorse it. Mm. With warnings. flaws and all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Content warnings. But I do have to say that I do think that its handling of domestic violence is better than season two of Picard. So, like.
1: I just watched the season finale of Law and Order Organized Crime. Yes. And there is a scene of attempted suicide Mm -hmm. in it. And I just want to point out that the nbc procedural law and order <laughs> organized crime add a content warning and hey, if you are, are having trouble mm. here are the hotlines just saying yeah mm. do better yeah paramount
0: plus <laughs> <sighs> and on, that, on note, that note <laughs> I, I believe at this moment the writers and cast of various star treks are picketing paramount in support of the WGA strike and I hope that strike ends with everyone getting a lot of money. Actors, writers, the production crew, the mm-hmm. set designers, the guy that brings the coffee. I would be happy to have less Star Trek if everyone involved was properly compensated and I think with more money and more time they would be making better Star Trek. like. This can only be a win. Anyway, Antimatter Pod stands with the WGA. Absolutely. We'll be back in 2 weeks. Thank you for listening to Antimatter
1: Pod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com including links to our social media, credits to our theme music, and once in a while, transcripts to our episodes. <laughs>
0: the app is that. so bad. It just makes up words now. Like it is so much work i'm sorry anyway you can also follow us on twitter facebook
1: tumblr and instagram all on antimatterpod and on mastodon at antimatterpod on the 10 forward instance you can write to us at mail at antimatterpod.com if you like us leave a review on apple podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts the more reviews the easier it is for new listeners to find us And join us in two weeks when we will finally discuss the best Jack Crusher (laughs) and the rest of Star Trek Picard season three.